Welcome to episode 166 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hilary Doherty. Here we go again. It's almost St. Patrick's Day, so oh. got to say Doherty like you're supposed to, you know, Tina. Do- Doherty. 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 <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to Ireland, Tina? No. Me neither. Love to go sometime. I know. Because we want to see all the hot Irishmen. Oi, vey. I got to go find my manager. <laughs> oh, you're not a patron? You don't know the story about the Irish soccer yeah, team manager. Yeah, go pay for patron. When he told me, this is a ticket to fucking paradise. Ooh. And you missed it, lass. Ooh, Damn it. Damn dang it. it. That was good. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to bring this up to you because I'm sure that you maybe have seen this, but we haven't talked about it. Um, you covered on episode 112, Bruce's Beach. Yes. Okay. So it was an area where uh, black Americans bought this beach, this, yep. this property, and built a resort there. Yes. And it was where black folks could come in and go to the beach because there was... The beaches were segregated, yes, but then they had like the parties and like, yeah, it was, oh, a, it was like a whole community thing yes. on the Sundays. Everybody would go. Okay. In California. Well, then the state comes in and takes the land, right? Right. Steals it basically from this. They, they put them right. out of business. But they, they got they, the reparations back. For right. It. So the family eventually in 2020, they started someone, there was an activist who helped the family yes. get the, the, the property back from the state. They were given the property back. It was huge. And it was like, when I was reading about this recently, it was, it said that this was a like landmark case where, where black folks, black Americans could go back and use this, this legal, um, this, this case as a template to get the reparations. Right. Right. Well, recently, I don't know if you saw this, because it's been in the news the last couple of days, the family sold the property and the activists and other people who were fighting for this, for this family are like disappointed that the family sold it for, I think, about $200 million. You know what? Let I them make some money. Think and about all the money that they yeah. lost over the years. And they're probably like, we haven't yeah. run a beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would imagine that it takes a lot to own land and right. what's on the land and what, you know what right. I mean? Right. Make your money. But isn't that what reparations are? I mean, maybe one thing to be like, here's the land, but what the value is, is what you need. And yeah. if you can make the money, like, and so these activists were disappointed and I'm like, don't be disappointed. This is what, yeah. what this is exactly what you worked for, for this family to be. Now to this, is inter- wealth. this is intergenerational yeah. wealth yeah. for that family yes. that can be used for. Gain the wealth that they were decades stolen and decades from and them. decades and decades and decades Absolutely. from now. I I loved it. Anyway, that that's a big thing in the news right now is this Bruce's beach being sold. And I'm like, good for them. Good for them. What if they don't want to upkeep the beach? Like, and if it hasn't been in their family, right? So it's not like they've learned or, you know what I mean? Like you got to be in that business. Yeah. And so good for you. Make that money. And I think the folks, the the family that started it would be happy. Yes. This has now happened. Right. Because now it's secured money for that family. Yeah. Good for them. 200 million, bitch, oh, bye. Goodbye. Please. Can you adopt me? <laughs> Hi. Uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I wanted to say congratulations because on Saturday, March 18th, <gasps> uh, two of our friends from our Odd Pods family uh, are getting married. Somebody's getting married. <gasps> Going to the chapel and we're gonna get married. Going to the chapel and we're gonna get married. Gee, I really love you and we're 
Gonna get married, going to the chapel of love. Oh. That's for you guys. God. We're as, serenading you. As a divorced woman, that was like taking a bullet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But we're celebrating their love. And I mean, oh, how adorable are they? Listen, I, I, you did not go to the dinner that I had celebrating Lauren's birthday when they <gasps> oh. came down here. You missed a delightful young lady named oh. Lauren. I think she's delightful. And, you know, if you listen to her podcast or even just like in the odd podcast, yes. you get those vibes. Yes. In person, it's um, infectious. Oh. If I can <gasps> give an infectious groove. <laughs> no pun intended. Or no, her that's joy, not a pun, her but, yeah. joy is infectious and it's, and it's, um, and it's purposeful. Like she said, like, this is what I'm trying to do. Like put these good vibes out in the world. And I, I get it. I get it. I dig it. It's opposite of what I try to put out in the world, but I think that's why I really like it. You know Aww. what I mean? Because I'm always like, we're going to die. But Lauren's like, everything's good. <laughs> and, it's uh, the yin and the yang, yes. baby. And Russ is a, quite a gentleman and Aww. very sweet. And you can tell that they have a lot of love for each other. And I'm very, very happy for yes, them. Yes, congratulations. <sighs> Can't ever, you know, listen, uh, the, the world is a crazy place. And yeah. I think, and I've always thought, and maybe because I'm a bit of a romantic, but I always thought that the reason we're here on this earth is to love, is to love the end. And if you are lucky enough to find the one person I know. who's like your soulmate and you can be with them for 50, 60 years, I'm obsessed with those stories. Yes. I'm fucking obsessed with people who are together 60, 50, 60 and years. I say this, it's incredible. I say this to my children all the time. Like, you know, I just said it to, to my my son the other day, cause we were talking about some of these like anti gay bills and um, you know, these legislators that are just horrible people. And, and, and I said, you know, with all of the chaos, with all of the bad things in the world to find love, mm. why would you strip that away from someone? Why do you care? Like it's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And, mm. but like I was saying, Cortina, she has to get political every I'm time. Sorry. Her. Ugh, brought, brought me right the fuck down. But if you're lucky enough to find that person, if it could be your first, your second, your third, your fourth yeah. relationship, whatever it is, if you've been able to love five, six times in your life, it's wow. always special. It's yeah. always incredible. So I just think that this is amazing. And I Aww. wish I could go. But they're going to have a bigger thing yes. in 2024. We have to we go. We have to go. To we're, inviting, like, we're, we're inviting in ourselves. We're inviting ourselves we're to their here. wedding. But we're here. Like, why would we not go to the wedding? Um, so send the invitations our way. Yes, Because we're going. We'll be there in 24. Yeah. But <laughs> I do, do you have anything you want to say on this episode? Um, the only thing I was going to say is, we did bring it up last episode, is that the, the attack on the First Amendment rights of Floridians, that mm. anyone who is a blogger or anyone who speaks out against the government has to have their name put on put on a list. Mm. Like this is again, we're moving into Nazi Germany, mm. right? The names on the list. What are they going to do with us? Where are they going to put us? You know what I mean? It, this this is. I'm just afraid. I am afraid of a 2024 win for this guy, because I'm telling you, like the country. I don't think we can handle it. Oh, we can't. No. So. I am mentally prepared for it. I am mentally prepared for what will happen when he becomes president because I, it, it is going to happen and he will bring us to our knees. 
yeah. the entire country. And like what you said last week, I think is so good. And it is just the, the greatest thing about DeSantis and what he's doing is that it's highly publicized. So y'all are aware, yep. no matter where you're sitting right now, listening to this, you are well aware, whether you're in Michigan, Ohio, Cal- Cali, uh, Massachusetts, Germany, where there's a lot of people listening, yeah. apparently love you guys. Hi. Hi. Uh, you all know. So you're prepared. You know what he's bringing to the table. This isn't a surprise. Yeah, like, we can't you know, act shocked. We can't be, you know. Yeah, sometimes candidates run that they're governors of Cal- Colorado. And I'm like, oh, who's this guy? Right? And you don't really know when they're running right. for president. Y'all are well aware. Oh, no. I mean, his, his name has been plastered enough across yeah, the country. So you know the, de- the devastation and damage he can bring. I mean, there was a, a liberal wrote something, I think for the New York... I think it was an opinion piece this week for the New York Times. And it said, my fellow liberals are making a big deal about Ron DeSantis and what the things he's doing are not that big of a deal. And I thought (gasps) that's the exact opposite. He clearly doesn't live here (laughs) and you don't even understand, you know, it's just like how they, the Republicans tried to sell don't say gay last year. It's listen, do you want five-year-olds to hear about what gay is? Do you want a, a teacher telling five-year-olds what the what a queer is? We should not be talking to our kindergartners about this. It's only K through three. It's only K through three. Right. But now it gets what's but moving now, up the line. That's right. That's and, what they do. They sell uh, you on the nugget, the little crumb. And then the following year, they're going to serve you the whole meal. And yeah. now they're coming at, they're taking shit out of high, books out of high school. They're coming after universities. This is not, this isn't, this isn't stopping at like art. It's always sold with an, a, an ice, the lining, the icing on the cake is we need to protect your children. But the cake is filled with hate and discrimination. And they're going to swallow it, swallow it And people it are down. like, my babies. Listen, if you have any sort of uh, faith in yourself as a parent, you shouldn't be worried about what's what someone's saying in school. You know, your kids are going to come to Give you. The kids a, hear listen. you. They know what you're what you're about. My, they can teach my kids all the anti-LGBTQ shit they want in school. They know that shit don't fly with me. Right. And they, I'm their mother. And so if you think that my opinion about things doesn't count more than what the school is saying, you're fucking wrong. And you're if wrong. you think that your kids aren't hearing about sex in school oh please 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 it's school please i told we've had this conversation they, they look it up on their phones in two yeah. seconds they know what things are and they have the crazy conversations they listen to stupid ass songs my my uh middle schooler dear god by the way did you ask did you ask about see you and see you next tuesday i did i asked my son i said i said do you know what see you next tuesday is and he's like what and i said you know like you know um the c word and he's like no, I know the C word. I'm like, but see you next Tuesday. He's like, yeah, we don't do that. Yeah. He, I asked my daughter, same thing. Yeah. I said, do you know what see you next Tuesday is? And she's like, no. I'm like, see yeah, you I did the next same. Tuesday. She's like, no. And then she goes, I don't know what you're saying. And then she goes, oh, yeah, I've heard that word. I go, it's a terrible, filthy word. Yeah. My son said, so my- <laughs> That I never say. <laughs> so my son says it. My my son says it to his friend who is <laughs> oh, no. British, who's British. Oh my God. And like in England, it's like a common word. Like they use it a much more- <laughs> <laughs> you know they this use it more liberally than we maybe, maybe than we do I, here you know what i mean so it's not like as offensive like when we hear it yeah, here yeah. i say it to my friend yeah. all the time is what he said so mm. um i thought that was funny but yeah, yeah he funny. didn't know he's like uh, who, who cares well i have a hot guy <sighs> of the week oh another one bitch i'm doing this every week it's okay. on my list <laughs> okay okay and let me tell you something about this guy real quick oh hey i didn't know how hot he was until this show comes out called it's called Daisy Jones and the six it's on Amazon 
Ugh, I don't have Amazon. He looks like, do you know who he looks exactly like? Ew. Fuck it, I'm just going to, I'm throwing it out there. He looks exactly like Cody from our, our friend Cody from, oh. uh, what's it? Uh. Well, there was this podcast that they had, but. Hi, Cody. Hi, Cody. Wait, what was the name of the podcast? Uh, I can't believe I'm Hell is full of dads. dads. <laughs> oh, my God. I was their biggest fan. I can't believe I can't remember. Barefoot Lobo and Cody. Oh, gosh. This guy looks like Cody Look, to throwing me. it back. But only looks like Cody now because he's got longer hair in this movie, Daisy Jones and the Six. Like, he doesn't look like Cody any other way. But on his Instagram, his pictures are fucking oh, let me see. Let me see. insane. But this is what he looks like. Okay, he was in Hunger Games. He looked like this in Hunger Games. He was in the oh, first one, and I think he gets no. killed in the first one. But but these other pictures I like. Wait, wait, wait. Look at oh right oh that one right there. Look at this one. Look at this. Doesn't he look like Cody? Yes. Look at that hair and the beard. Oh, look how cute. He's cute. <gasps> okay, oh, he's so, so cute. anyway, um, Sam. What we're going to be is, doing? Wait, I don't think I said his name. Oh, his name is Sam Claflin. Oh, and he's English. <laughs> and he's. And I showed my, you know, my daughter and I, we usually don't have the same sort of type when we look at boys. And I said, what do you think about this guy? She's like, um, she's like, um, and I was like, anyway, Sam Claflin can so get cute. it. He can get it. Um, I think on our Insta, we will be posting, you know, our, our hot guy of the week. A picture. Oh, we totally should do yeah. it. Oh yeah. my That's what we're God. doing. That's our other, we'll have our band book clip and we'll have our Hawkeye the, the mm. week mm. clip. Mm. Mine mm. is boring. Yours is hot. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do it. We got to do a little bit of both, uh, I think. Yes. All right. What up? What's up? You're first. Let's hit oh, it. Oh yeah, I am first. Okay. Go. So today, yeah. I'm going to tell you the story of the Holmesburg prison experiments. Oh my God. I know, I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Never All ends. Right. I never Never ends. ends. So, Holmesburg Prison housed prisoners in Philadelphia beginning in 1896. Woo! But when a doctor conducted unethical medical experiments, he exploited and harmed hundreds of inmates. So, our story takes place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania from about 1951 to 1974. Wow. It's a long stretch <laughs> of time. So, let me give you a little background on the prison. So, from the beginning, there were issues with overcrowding at this prison. And with overcrowding, of course, violence can happen. Mm -hmm. The prison was around for a long time. So here's just an overview of some of the things that have happened. And um, I got this from Abandoned America, an article on the prison by Matthew Christopher. So in 1928, a series of riots broke out due to overcrowding. In 1938, prisoners staged a hunger strike due to the quality of the food. The guards took 25 of the rioters who they saw as like sort of being the leaders of this riot and um, locked them in a small space in the middle of August, closed the vents and turned up the heat. Four of the men were essentially boiled alive. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Can you imagine? And that's not even like the major incident. <laughs> and then um, fights and murders occurred over the years. Again, a lot of time due to this overcrowding, and uh, the prison earned the nickname, the Terror Dome. Oh my God, dude. And I understand the housing of prisoners. But at the same time, these are human beings and they have to be treated like human beings. Despite, you know what I mean? Like they're still human beings. And, and if we don't treat them like humans, then we're just as bad as, as whatever crime they committed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, listen, just because somebody <sighs> committed a crime and now they're serving their time doesn't mean they get it to be treated like animals. They're literally doing time. You don't have to make it any worse than that. They're already locked up. 
Yeah. Why do you make it worse? I mean. It's, it's already bad. Oh my God. <sighs> so starting in 1951, Holmesburg prisoners were subjected to experiments by Dr. Albert Kligman. Huh. And we, we sounds did, like a villain, yeah, a villain. I know name. it does. And we've done stories like we, you did the, the syphilis experiments and then I covered another uh, prison that uh, did experiments. And so this is sort of along the same lines. Um, and the, the thing that's similar, the, the common thread in these stories is that the men were not often told the full scale details of what would happen to them in the long term. Oh my God. Right. From these experiments. In fact, they were often told like, oh, there's no long-term side effects, like stuff like that. And so, you know, um, they trust that, right? And then we have to think, right, that there's this, it's, and, and the people, of course, who were harmed the most were African-Americans um, in the prison. And when we think about the mistrust in the medical community, a lot of times um, within the African-American community, right. there's no surprise right. that there's a lack of trust in, in doctors when and these types of things, things like have that. happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it stems from this type of exploitation. It's wild to me. Yeah. So let me tell you a bit about Kligman. He was a dermatologist. He was born in Philly. He went to Penn State. And then later he got a degree in botany from um, the Ivy League University of Pennsylvania. And this was according to his bio on his wiki page. Eventually he became known for his research and experiments. Basically his work is essentially a prime example of unethical treatment and uh, behavior towards humans. Like that's how I see it. So criminal justice professor A.M. Hornblum wrote about Kligman and uh, Tannenbaum's Philly Voice article notes that greed seemed to like fuel this program. Oh, okay. God. So according to Kat Eschner's article for Popular Science, Kligman said he got consent for the experiments, right? So that's from the state. Right. right When we talk about like, how is this politically connected? Mm -hmm. It's because the state which runs the prison was like, sure, oh you can God. do experiments on our prisoners. Oh. And they did say that the inmates were paid. But she notes that at the time that he was doing the experiments, paying folks to participate, because this was in the like through the 70s, right, was considered a form of coercion and corruption of consent, right? Because again, like you you're like, you're giving, you're paying people, but then again, the long-term effects of this, it doesn't gel. Right, right, right. And um, a textbook on medical ethics from Queensboro Community College notes that a large amount of the testing was derma dermatological. So it had to do with the skin. Right. And things that they were testing out were cosmetics and that sort of thing, toothpaste, shampoo. Um, but the chapter also notes that there were other invasive and essentially torturous experiments that included hair transplants, pulling out fingernails what and exposure to lethal chemicals and they even have them ingest toxic substances and what? i'll get into that i mean oh my it, god it's wild it's wild so hornblum of the philadelphia inmate justice coalition was working at the prison at the time and said he saw quote scores and scores of inmates with patches on their backs and their arms being part of all sorts of experiments, some innocuous, some quite dangerous. Mm. They were really lab rats in every sense of the word, but they were human beings who were powerless. Wow. Oh yeah. my God, this is so bad. And an NPR article notes how powerless these men really were. The article uh, talks about how they were, so some of these men were like waiting to bond out, right? So, so um, if they can't afford the bond and someone's like, hey, I'll pay you, 
to do oh, X, Y, Z experiments, so they'll bad. take the money so that they can try to bond out. Oh my right? God, Tina. And then many others were illiterate. Oh, <laughs> so they can't consent or read or comprehend the future damage because they're not reading what they're signing. Right. And the worst part is the people doing this, they're exploiting, yes. but they know they these know. guys can't read. They yes. know that they're poor and they yes. want the money. They need the money to get right. out. Like this is so fucked up that they take advantage of people it's like disgusting. this. And this Clickman guy, you know, assured and others assured these men that there would be no long lasting problems. So again, if a doctor's standing before you saying, Oh, we want to try out the skin cream. We want to try out this thing. And Oh yeah. You know, there's no long lasting effects. We'll even pay you for it. Okay. Like why not? I need some money. Yeah. And you're in prison. You're not making any money. Mm. So Eschner notes uh, that Kligman inoculated black prisoners with STIs. He gave them components of agent orange asbestos and other fungi. So let me just talk about the experiments. So he did ringworm testing. So he would, you know, put the fungus to like test for ringworm. So he essentially would give them ringworm. Um, and then as far as the STIs go, it was specifically um, mainly herpes and HPV. Oh my God. And yeah. besides Agent Orange, they were given other mind altering drugs to test for the U.S. Army, the United States Army was like, hey, can you do us a solid and test out this stuff? And so he tested uh, radioactive material on the prisoners as well. Oh, my God. What, and, the, what is going on yeah, here? This is insane. On, on human beings. Oh, my God. No, no, I mean, no, no, 1950, no. 1974, like, no. I feel like we know a little better, don't we? No. And he also tested dioxin, which is a highly toxic chemical compound that can harm several organs and interferes with hormones. <laughs> and one experiment, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer, requested that they inject asbestos into the inmates so that they could compare it to the use of talcum powder on the skin. You know, like that's, that's what they were doing, asbestos. So an NPR article by the AP noted that the city of Philadelphia granted Kligman permission to do the experiments, oh, right? God, and this is highlighting yeah. the racism here. Like clearly we know that- This is not that, right. That, that one, because they're already a marginalized group and they're prisoners, like it's like they don't matter. Right. It's, it's wild They're to less me. than human. It's wild to me. Yeah. And again, you know, somebody commits a crime for whatever, whatever reason, economic, whatever it could be that they commit a crime. And then you and if they're, waiting, them. if they're waiting to bond out, that means that the crime was, right. wasn't something that was major, right? right? So yeah, and you're going to take advantage of them, but they're already in the jail. Yeah. You've already locked them up. What else do you want? No one's asking to give them a T-bone steak every night for dinner. Give them the food that's appropriate, right? right? But, but you don't, you know, the, you know, Florida prisons, who was on here? Lauren Book? Was it Lauren Book who said like Florida prisons don't have air conditioning? Yeah. Like that's insane. Florida prisons, there's like, more, I think 70% of Florida even, prisons don't have air conditioning. That. I can't imagine. Because you would imagine too, like heat, right? Like that, you know, that like people, get, you hear about this all the time, like fights and things break out because it's so hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you have people already in crowded prisons. Right. I just hate everything. So the thing that is most upsetting is that this doctor, had no remorse oh, in, an, in an interview in an interview from 1966 michael tannenbaum of the philly voice cites kligman as saying quote all i saw before me were acres of skin <gasps> it was like a farmer seeing a field for the first time 
He's psychotic. I mean, what an opportunistic asshole. How do you describe human beings as acres, acres of skin? That is, and as a farmer seeing a field for the first time, I just got time. a flash of like silence it, of the lambs. Like it, it creeps like, me out. Like I got goosebumps yeah, from that. It. I, is I, the most dead inside. Yeah, he doesn't see them I've as people. Heard. He's like, right. ooh, what can I do with this? That is frightening. And he's a doctor. He's a doctor. That's frightening. Mm-hmm. The Wikipedia article on the experiments noted that he once had this to say: "Quote, all those people could have leukemia now. About one chance in twenty billion." And I could be hit by an asteroid when I walk out on the street, but I don't think I will. These are the kinds of doctors that like Ron DeSantis has giving yeah. him advice on masks and vaccines. And then he bring, has a press conference and they bring up these wackadoos who are like vac- real doctors right. who don't believe in vaccines and don't believe in oh, uh, yeah. against one out of like a million doctors. He finds the one who's against yeah. the vaccines and masks. And speaking of vaccines, you just triggered a memory of, of uh, uh, something that just came out is that DeSantis is uh, uh, trying to say that or put forward and and a bill. I don't know how they're going to do it, but um, that if you've been vaccinated, you can't donate blood anymore. (laughs) Okay. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, mean, there's already shortages of blood. Yeah, but you're already harming, yeah, you're harming community, medical community and like people who need victims of crimes. Like it's it's like, uh, it's again, (laughs) it's one thing after the next, after that week, I can't even keep up with it. Oh, he's if he's just oh my God. it's just a fucking reach. It's a oh. reach of like dumb shit all the time. It's and this just, is a guy he went to to supposedly our best schools. Like really Yeah, maybe maybe Ivy League ain't yeah, that fucking Yeah, thing. no, I don't think so. <laughs> maybe it ain't so yeah. great. Screw the Ivy League. <laughs> That's our stand here yes. on the Buck Podcast. <laughs> Screw the Ivy League. Fuck you. So the aftermath. In October twenty twenty two, the city of Philadelphia issued an apology for the experiments in 2022. Oh, go fuck yourself. According to an NPR article. What's that help people? Why then, are you just saying, yeah, this was fucked up? Yeah. Like, what's the apology? I mean, Give me a fucking break. All right. Then Mayor Jim Kenney issued this apology. Quote, without excuse, we formally and officially extend a sincere apology to those who were subjected to this inhumane and horrific abuse. We are also sorry it took far too long to hear these words. And just this year in January, 2023, almost 50 years after the last experiment, the College of Physicians of Philadelphia offered an apology for the experiments, according to Nicole Leonard of WHYY. Leonard cited Alan Hornblum from the Philadelphia Inmate Justice Coalition, who stated, quote, it just became an accepted part of the medical penal culture in the city. It's a black mark for the city and in particular, its criminal justice system. In 2000, 300 prisoners tried to sue, but they missed the statute of limitations. Oh my God. Well, Philadelphia, how about putting your money where your apology is? How about that? And those of you who are listening, if you want to help, there is an action network petition calling on the University of Pennsylvania to pay for the medical experiments done to the prisoners. They have a goal of 800 people to sign. They're not at that goal. So if you want to help, those prisoners and call on the university to take, you know, um, financial ownership of what they did all those years. They got the money. Yeah. Click the show notes. Oh, they definitely have the money, Mm -hmm. um, to sign and help. And then some points of interest, the doctor involved that Dr. Kligman, he was a dermatology professor at the university of Pennsylvania. He invented the acne medication retina a that's still used today. And he did conduct his early research on inmates. Oh, I was going to say, 
According that, to off the, off the acres of skin that yeah. he had in front of him. But that's like, you see that everywhere. Oh, that motherfucker's making dough. Yeah, well, he's, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead now. Well, how, can we dig yeah. him up and fucking <laughs> throw shit at him? <laughs> Another thing I got. Sue the company that's got Retina A I fucking mean, uh, formula. So this another, is bullshit. It's, it's that's part gar- of the, it's, such it's just garbage. like that, the, oh God, is it Henrietta Lacks? Well, I'm totally going to screw up this woman's name who, who uh, they heard, yeah, Henrietta Lacks, her genes were used, uh, her, uh, her DNA was used to, her, oh, you know yes, what I'm saying? Her, yes. her cells were used and, and all, all these different experiments, they were taken from her though, under false pretenses. And her cells were used over, and, and reused over and over and over again to like cure, can, cure, cure different sorts of, uh, or identify cancer cells and all kinds of things. I mean, they were, it's incredible, but it was against her will. It was against her will. Oh God, I totally screwed that whole story up, oh. but, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> black woman of course of course taken advantage of so another thing i found interesting in the article is that a couple of doctors also dermatologists who knew kligman's sordid past felt that he was unethical and shouldn't have the accolades that he still carried well into 2022 <sighs> so they reached out to the society for investigative dermatology that had an annual award in kligman's name presented research highlighting kligman's practices and the society for investigative dermatology removed his name from the award so it doesn't change what happened, but at least like it does show like that the victims that this guy isn't going to be honored any longer, like that that legacy of his name is going to be stripped from these things. The University of Pennsylvania removed his name from a lecture series and a professorship that and they um, so there was a professorship like named after him that, you know, you could apply for, but now it no longer carries his so name. So they, they recognize. Yeah, they issued an apology. They I did. Mean, but and. This guy wasn't just doing experiments for the college or, you know, the U.S. Army. He was backed by some well-known companies like Johnson & Johnson and the Dow Chemical Company, according to the Philly Voices, Michael Tannenbaum. Like, and these corporations need to be held accountable, too. Yeah. They all should be pony, ponying up some dough. And one of the survivors, uh, Leodis Jones, became an activist and fought for justice for the victims of Kligman and the Holmesburg experiments. After his, and after his death, his daughter... Adrian Jones Alston has taken on his role, um, according to Denali Sagner's Billy Penn article. So she is still fighting for these prisoners, um, some of them who are still alive and still, and, and, and the side effects that some of them uh, talked about, you can you know go to the show notes and oh read some God. of the articles that so they're bad. still dealing with today. I mean, to be exposed to asbestos and Agent Orange, I... I, I you know, and, 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 and again, like you said, like maybe they're in there for some petty crime and now they have a lifetime of, of illness for what? And for what do you think they paid them a lot of money? I think it was, you know, a dollar here, $5 here, maybe a hundred or $200 to some, depending on the experiment. Mm. It's horrendous. Yep. So that's the story of the Holmesburg prison (sighs) experiments. I'm going to give you a challenge. Uh oh. The next time I we do story, maybe something a little bit fun that has a fun ending. Oh, or like well, a ha- my last maybe one, a happy ending. My last one wasn't too depressing. The guy who like you know, burned up the tried to burn up his restaurant. It's a terrible. That was another <laughs> terrible story. <laughs> it's not as bad as this one. I, I can't. I can't handle it. You've got I'm to sorry. have something fun in your arsenal. There's got to be something that's gonna. Uh, because you look at me I'm and I'm just like, I, I'm I know. Doom and gloom. I what do you it. want from me? I can't take it anymore. But I guess that's kind of what this that's podcast my, is. But it's my so vibe. fucked up. It's your vibe. <laughs> 
it's human, okay. it's human gloom is my vibe. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what it is? It's a moral justice. Like there's this, your stories have a lot to do with like right and wrong as far, you know what I mean? Like you're, you do a lot of stories that I think really highlight these huge injustices against a group of people. A lot, of, you know what I mean? A lot yeah. of your stories are like that, which are oh, great. I know. They're just depressing. I get it. It's so depressing. No. Sorry. Sorry, America, do better. How about that? Yeah. That's, I mean, I was going to say that. We are kind of digging into yeah. one of the worst fucking countries' histories I mean, ever. So, what do you, what, I mean, I got nothing to work with here, but doom and gloom. <laughs> Screwed. Oh my God. Oh. Well, how about that? Let's listen. We got two weeks. Oh God. What do we come back on episode 167? <laughs> and both of us do a story that's not doom and gloom that's maybe a success story some a candidate for that came up out of nowhere and actually was successful what do you think i don't know you could do a happy i can't you can't you can't find something no what do you mean because i ever stop touching the microphone you're making me nuts sorry (laughs) i can't do it i'll try i'll try but i don't know if i can follow there's got to be something like I know the clown that I covered died. That was fun, but it was a fun story. That was like a fun maybe story. we can find something like that. Uh, I'll try. I will. I'll say I'll try. Okay. I can't <laughs> promise anything. No, I, I get it. I get it. It's all shit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got me working with here? Oh like I, I get what are we it. Gonna do? What are we gonna do? All right. Hey, this is Grab and Brisket Podcast. Join us every Monday where we talk about the latest trends in barbecue, interviews with world top pit masters. Celebrity cooks. Ooh, like uh, Wee Man from Jackass. And musicians. Like Rich O'Toole. So check us out. We do beer reviews, barbecue fails. So many fires. Dude, a lot of people just burn their houses down for no reason. We also talk about cocaine hippos versus meth gators. Learn how to make some tailgate gravy. Altercations with Texas Rangers. People throwing Reese's peanut butter cups. Yeah. So check out grabthebrisket.com for podcast info, viral social media posts, and so much more. Okay. Well today (gasps) (laughs) i love when you go (gasps) um i'm covering the ohio gang oh i want to sing the song but i've sung it too many times on this show but you all know it you all know it by now (gasps) oh shit i'm spilling my coffee and getting too excited about ohio over here dang so this is going to touch on stuff i've done before the teapot the teapot (laughs) <laughs> no that's finally okay. the teapot dome scandal that i did on episode 47 um so we got a lot a cast of characters here Ooh. and at the helm is president harding warren oh. g harding which is the fucking dopest ass president's name warren g harding <laughs> bitch she's about to spit hard. some fucking lyrics He's out motherfucker. <laughs> spit some bars out is that what the kids say i don't know i'm 45 uh. <laughs> Old lady. <laughs> Spitting bars. Spitting bars. He's such a good president. He's a great president and he can rap. Oh. It's entertaining. <gasps> the Ohio gang was a gang of politicians and industry leaders closely surrounding Warren G. Harding, the 29th president of the United States. Many of these individuals came into Harding's personal orbit during his tenure as a state level politician in Ohio. Oh, Warren G. Harding was elected president by promising to return the nation to normalcy and opposing the idealism (sighs) idealism of his predecessor, Woodrow Wilson. Another fantastic name. Woodrow Wilson. (laughs) I love it. 
He captured 60% of Americans, Americans' votes and won by a landslide. After Harding had won the election, he appointed many of his allies and campaign contributors to powerful political positions oh. in control of vast amounts of government money and resources, right. which I say drain the motherfucking swamp. <laughs> <laughs> drain the swamp drain the swamp and then he just immediately yeah. fills the swamp with all these fucking people I, it's, it's so funny to me it's so good it's, it's so funny it's to so me good. and guess who else does that Ron DeSantis yeah. everybody he put Donald in power, Trump Donald I Trump mean, I know that's what I was referring to yeah. but yeah Don, but DeSantis did the same thing at Reedy Creek uh, and oh, at the oh, new college it's so stupid it's all people who gave him money nepotism <laughs> nepotism much people Reedy Creek where they're gonna tell you what Disney movies are going to come out yeah. next? The content. <laughs> I hope. I hope. I hope. God, it's I the greatest thing that's ever happened. This is the story of the fucking year. It's yeah. got to be the story of the year. I, there's nothing else. Take my personal private rights away from me. The fact that you fucking make took over a goddamn corporation's business is fucking it's crazy. Wildness. It's so, it's and, bananas. And we're all watching it happen. It's unfolding in front of us. There's nothing we no, can no, do. We can't do anything. <laughs> but do. Disney can do something. Please, well, we'll do. See. I want Disney Listen, to pick up sticks so not, bad and leave. Yeah, that would. I, be my not, dream that's not gonna that happen. would be my dream that's not gonna happen but i i gotta tell you i think that disney is like resourceful clearly and like sneaky and i think that those lawyers they're, they're there's no way they're taking this lying lying down like there's something that's gonna happen i hope i'm yeah, waiting i'm I, waiting well at the very least they're gonna stop contributing to all of these they're not giving money to any republicans like you could like we'll, well see well we'll, we'll see. see we'll see <laughs> But they said they're going to stop making campaign. They, when the don't say gay thing happened, they said they're going to stop making campaign contributions across the board. So we'll see who Disney's giving money to this year. But still, I'm sick of these corporations in general giving money. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of Citizens United. I'm sick of it all. These all these corporations have more rights than the human beings. Yeah, that spend money at the stupid corporations. <sighs> anyway, right, go ahead. so. This Ohio gang gets to D.C. and they're all fucking troublemakers, right? Like every single last one of them, there's shit fucking happening. They're doing their deals. Like it's, it's, it's so I'm going to talk about one of the little scandals, but one of them was that teapot dome scandal, right? So Ohio gang members, Attorney General Harry M. Daughtry and Interior Secretary Albert B. Fall were considered to have been responsible for acts of corruption and cronyism. Albert Fall, if you go back and listen to the oh, episode yeah, yeah, yeah. 47, was the Teapot Dome scandal. And eventually he was jailed for taking bribes. And the Teapot Dome was considered America's biggest political scandal up until Watergate. So it was the biggest scandal to happen like within a administration. The group met, this group of, of gang met regularly at the infamous Little Greenhouse on K Street. There was no information that proves that Harding knew of the scandals that were going on during his time in Girl. office. But I'm sure he, he heard rumors. Knew. Yeah, I'm sure that Warren The G. Little Greenhouse, he yeah. knew what's going on. So internal opposition to this group. Not every member of the Harding administration was a member of the so-called Ohio gang. Oh, among the critics of the, cli of the clique, yeah, <laughs> among the critics of the clique was Harding's straight-laced Secretary of Commerce Herbert Hoover, uh -oh. who, while generally appreciative of Harding, viewed the motive, motivations, and behavior of the Ohio gang with thinly concealed disgust. <laughs> In his memoirs, published, I love that thinly disguised. In his uh, memoirs published in 1952, Hoover depicted Harding's Ohio cronies as a reflection of a character flaw of Harding. He said, "Quote: 
Harding had another side which was not good. His political associates had been men of the type of Albert B. Fall, whom he appointed Secretary of the Interior, Daughtry, who he appointed Attorney General, Forbes, who he appointed Director of the Veterans Bureau, Thomas W. Miller, whom he appointed Alien Property Custody Custodian, which I did a story on, and Jesse W. J. Jess Smith, who had office uh, room in the Department of Justice, who I'm going to talk about. He enjoyed the company of these men and his old Ohio associates in and out of the government. Weekly White House House poker parties were his greatest relaxation the stakes were not large but the play lasted most of the night oh and you know they're talking yeah i had lived too long on the frontiers of the world to have strong emotions against people playing poker for money if they liked it. <laughs> but it irked me to see it in the White House. Oh, quote. let people play a game of cards well, already. You know this. When they What's say wrong sh- with you? Oh, Herbert Hoover. God, get, relax a little bit. Mud. Stick God, in the mud. boring Poker ass. at the White House? How dare they? Clutch my pearls. Uh, <laughs> I mean. Calm down, Hoover. <laughs> relax a little bit. Although the religious Hoover was invited to the White House poker party once. <laughs> He they were never, like, they're like, get yeah. this guy out of here. He was he's never invited back because <laughs> he's boring. Yeah, he's probably sitting there going, "This shouldn't be happening in yeah. the White House." What are they do? Be like, you are bluffing. That's yeah. not fair. <laughs> doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how the game works. What a loser. Yeah. So a little what bit a about, loser, Hoover. Oh get out. Oh my, oh my god sorry oh because tina is against religion this guy's religious tina's yeah. like now tina's and i like poker i grew up with people playing poker my whole life so how dare you uh, did you hear that though but did you hear that 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 tone i got i grew up playing poker my whole life i know people playing poker like that italian thing just came in did you hear it that italian come out every time don't mess with me don't mess with me i won't you know what do whatever story you want next week (laughs) i don't want to get on that list (laughs) good tina i love your stories they're so good do whatever story you want i'm fine i can deal with it they make you happy i do cry afterwards but i will deal with it i'll suck it up okay no cosa nostra over here please (laughs) okay so jesse smith jesse w jess smith was a member of president harding's ohio gang he was born and raised in washington courthouse ohio where he became a friend of Harry Daughtry as children. And there, Daughtry helped him to become the successful owner of a department store. Smith became Daughtry's gopher during the 1920 campaign when when Harding was running for, for uh, president. And Smith came to Washington as an aide to Daughtry as, as, as the U.S. Attorney General. So this guy's not, Smith wasn't unappointed like in the administration, but he came along as this aide and he would run around and do things for these guys. But he was like a friend, but he was in the group. Right. Okay. 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 So um, he had a desk at the Department of Justice, and he was Harry Daughtry's chief advisor. Oh, I mean that's a pretty good gig. Yeah, and nevertheless, he wielded considerable influence, right? Because you're close to that yes. inner circle, and he was Daughtry's roommate at the Washington D.C.'s Wardham Park Hotel. So they didn't like you know you don't live there full time. Yeah. Okay. So here's the scandal with Smith. It was rumored the rumors going around dc was that he was uh he had sold bonded liquor to bootleggers and the motives behind why he was doing it were linked directly to the harding administration so like why was he so this thing was going around and these kinds of rumors weren't great especially for these other gang members who were up to shenanigans because now this now the light's shining on right and so like all these other guys didn't want people talking about it because obviously the teapot dome scandal was brewing but in like people were hearing about it. but there's other scandals in these other departments that these guys were running wow. and they were all running their own kind of like scams and so here's this guy selling like to bootleggers which was a big fucking no-no right so like what's the deal okay so here's there's like a like a uh 
events that lead up to this thing. Okay. And so one of the things was that Harding goes to Alaska. He goes to visit Alaska, the president. And he hears these rumors before leaving to go to Alaska. And he told Daughtry he wanted Smith out of Washington. Like, if oh. these, he heard these rumors about the bootleggers. He's like, you got to get him the fuck out of here. Right. Like, I can't have a scandal in my administration. Meanwhile. He's trying to put out some fire. Like, he doesn't know that these other guys are up to fucking shenanigans too. Oh, right? But he's like, dumb, dumb. get Smith out of here. So a couple of days later, on May 30th, 1923, Smith dies from a gunshot wound and was found with a pistol at his side. Oh no. His death he's was murdered. His death was pronounced a suicide. <gasps> but uh-oh. Alabama Senator James Thomas Heflin alleged otherwise, first at an investigative hearing and later on the floor of the United States Senate. Now that's fucking huge. You don't go on the Senate floor no, and start accusing that's people on, of that murder. That is now on the record. Yeah, so that's what he does. He says on the floor, quote, nobody else knew what he, Smith, knew. And with him dead, there was nobody to tell the story. So Jesse Smith was murdered, end quote. He followed up two days later, later in the Senate, quoting an Alabama bootlegger that he had t- interviewed. And he said, quote, you know, Secretary Mellon loaned the Republican National Committee $5 million in 1920. Only $3 million has been repaid. <gasps> there is a deficit of $2 million. Jesse Smith was charged with getting that money. <gasps> the plan was to have the liquor men and the breweries contribute to this fund. Then he shouted, this is one of the reasons why they wanted to get rid of Jesse Smith. <gasps> so basically, as you can hear, like he's saying that that the Republicans were owed this $2 million, or the, the mentalist guy Mellon was owed this $2 million from the Republican Party, and they had to come up with it somewhere. And so Jesse Smith was trying to make that money back by selling this liquor to wow. pay back the two. Well, at least this is what the accusation right. was. Allegedly. Yeah. And that when it got rumored that it was happening, we had to get rid of him because he could flip, basically, and say, yes, I was doing this thing for the party, i.e. Harding. Mm. Right? So did Harding know that Smith was going to die. Like, what's the deal? So here's this other thing. This Ooh. is this is kind of weird. So when Harding prepared to leave D.C. Wait, and this is when he's in Alaska? He was getting ready to go to Alaska. Was yeah, he yeah. in Alaska when the no. guy died? Wait, I don't think so. So okay. we, when Harding prepared to leave D.C., Herbert Hoover found him. You know, Herbert, our blessed God, holy man. Mr. Boring. And he found him and he was nervous and distraught. And his mood changed little bo- uh, while they were aboard the ship. So no, he did not know. They go, get on the ship to go to Alaska and Hoover's going with him. And Hoover, uh, he later recalls in this little passage what happened on the ship. Okay. So he says, quote, this is in his book. One day after lunch, when we were a few days out, Harding asked me to come to his cabin. He plumped at me the question, quote, if you knew of a great scandal in our administration, would you for the good of the country and the party expose it publicly or would you bury it? My natural reply was publish it and at least get the credit for integrity on your side. That's what Hoover says. And then he remarked that this method might be politically dangerous. I asked for more particulars. He said that he had received some rumors of irregularity centering around Smith in connection with cases in the Department of Justice. He had followed the matter up and finally sent for Smith. After a painful session, he told Smith that he would be arrested in the morning. So Harding was like telling Smith, you're going down. I'm not protecting you. Smith went home, burned all the papers (gasps) and committed suicide. Harding gave me no information about what Smith had been up to. I asked what Daughtry's relations to the affair were. He abruptly dried up and never raised the question again, end quote. 
So Harding must have known what was going on. He had to know. Yeah. If he's, if so he's, he left after Daughtry. So he left. So, okay. Died. So, yeah, so he dies. And now he's like on this trip. Like, hmm. Yeah. The last conversation I, mean, I had with him was about this thing. It's very convenient that the papers are burned. Yeah. And like, because, I mean, if he's going to take this route of suicide, mm-hmm. why not leave the papers there and like, you're going to arrest me? Screw all of you and no, leave no. all the evidence. You know, the burning of the papers is weird. There's probably a sense of loyalty, I mean, with these guys, right? I don't know. During his Alaskan trip, Harding suffered the first heart attack of what would prove to be his last days. So he's in Alaska and has a heart attack. He, for the, this happens in May. He dies three months later, Harding does, on August 2nd, 1923, from other heart attacks. Like the stress of this. Yes. But he dies in California. So, you know, they're in Alaska. He has his heart attack. They go to California for him to be to get treatment and he dies there. He keeps having heart attacks. He keeps having a couple of heart attacks. My God. Right. So following Harding's death, Hoover and Secretary of State Charles Evans Hughes approached the new president, Calvin Coolidge, and asked him to remove prominent Ohio gang members, uh, member Daughtry as attorney general. They're like, you know, this guy's no good. He's tied to shit. We got to get him out of here. And now Harding's not here anymore. So who the fuck needs this Ohio gang bullshit, right? Yeah. Harding's death had, had done nothing to stem the tide of emerging scandals revolving his Ohio clique with the news dominated by the story of the teapot dome bribery and allegations of wrongdoing in the office of the alien uh, property custodian episode 119. I did that story. Uh, the Veterans Bureau and the office of the attorney general. Like, there was just shit coming out everywhere. So no one's thinking about this Smith guy. Yeah. Hoover recalled uh, from his book, he also said, quote, Coolidge was loath to believe that such things were possible. He greatly delayed the removal of Daughtry from the cabinet. From this man's longtime career uh, character, he should have been, uh, should have never been in any government. Coolidge had a high sense of justice and asserted that he had no definite knowledge of wrongdoings by Daughtry and could not remove him on rumors. We urged that Daughtry had lost the confidence of the whole country and himself should be willing to retire the good of, for the good of public service end quote so finally on march 28th 1924 coolidge requested and received a letter of res- resignation from daughtry effectively terminating the ohio gang's last leading member the term ohio gang while used as an epithet uh by some during the decade of the 1920s and subsequently was embraced by others so people you know loved it in 1932 uh memoir harry daughtry unabashedly declared quote i was a true son of ohio the battleground of the nation i frankly confess to leadership in the so-called ohio gang for about 40 years wow on the lips of rival politicians the ohio gang is the epithet am i saying that right yeah um i wear it as a badge of uh as a badge as a mark of honor end quote so he's like haters gonna hate yeah i'm part of this gang yeah mm. and that's it that's the ohio gang so i wish that there was more i would love to see like where was the gun when he mm. was laying down like was it close to the body far from the body like you know, is it a clear, you know what I mean? Because sometimes like it's unclear, but is it Washington like doctors that are, ma- you know what I mean? Like yeah. that are tied to the administration that are saying, yes, it's a, a, it's a suicide and like, let's wrap this up right away. You know what I yeah. mean? Remember I did the suicide of Vince, Fo- Vince uh, Foster. Yeah. The the lawyer that was friends with the Clintons and yeah, that yeah, whole, yeah, 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 whole yeah, thing yeah, yeah. kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. Where they tried to tie it to, to the administration. I mean- I think that he was in a lot of trouble. I think he knew he was in a lot of trouble. I mean, if he had that conversation with Harding and the president who you know is also telling you like, I'm not going to protect you. You're going to go to jail. Like maybe he didn't want to go to jail and he wanted to protect the people around him. That's possible. I think it's possible. Mm. But you're dealing with shady characters all over the place. 
not yeah. just the bootlegging, but the people who are the attorney general, they're all shady as fuck. Who knows what could have happened? <sighs> I, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah, it is overwhelming. I mean, it, it's just scandal after scandal after scandal I know. after scandal after scandal after scandal. And I have so many, oh God, I have so many things on my list that it's just. Oh, me too. Uh, oh, band book moment. Oh, band book moment. Yes. Right. Are you ready? Yes. This is from The Hate You Give. Oh, great. You can destroy wood and brick, but you can't destroy a movement. I'm gonna, can I look over? Yes. <gasps> it's so good, Tina. Yeah. So that's our other band book quote of the week. So what is the, you know what I'm going to ask you now? Why do they want to ban this book? What's the purpose? What's the point? Like what, what is it in the book that they don't want people, they think that will be harmful to children? So um, from what... This one, I don't know in particular. Um, I would say, I think some people have like an issue with the, what they view as like anti-police rhetoric. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Um, probably the language, you know, anything like they're coming after anything. If it has curse words in it, if it has a sex scene in it, if it does anything that could possibly excite someone, mm. it's wild to me. Just let people read books, man. I just finished a book that was the cra- one of the craziest books I've read in a long time. I was like, what in the world is happening? And it was called Das Perfume. The Perfume. Mm. Have you, there's a movie about it. And it's this guy who has this like intense sense of smell. And then he's like starts murdering girls because he wants to capture their scent to make like the ultimate perfume. And like he's able to make this like perfume and like when he wears it like people go crazy and like they have like these wild orgies it's wow yeah what a book it was this is a movie it was a movie no it's it that that has him is very very end. It, it, oh. very weird but he is like yeah he just likes to he wants to capture the scent of people mm. no he it's no boy no he's no good no 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 it's just very it, it was do you is there uh is there a smell there's a part particular cologne that I smell I immediately think of someone or there's this uh but also there's a perfume that I smell that reminds me of my my grandfather's second wife she was a lot (laughs) but she had this perfume and she would wear it so heavy and when I smell it I even to this day I smelled it as a child but even to this day when I smell it I go oh god I immediately think about her and it's just like oh I think there are certain they say that smell is like one of the the best things like to trigger memory yeah yeah totally you know yeah but there's definitely a couple perfume like there's a perfume that like if I smell it it immediately reminds me of my mom Mm -hmm. you know yes um and the other day a, a student had you know put some perfume whatever it was it had it it I just thought of my grandmother. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh my God, like, you my, know. My grandfather, I grew up down the street from my grandfather and he had a pool. We would just walk down to his pool all the time. And around the pool, there were gardenia bushes. And when gardenias bloom, it is the most beautiful smell. It is so beautiful. And I, today, if I walk by and smell a gardenia, I think about my papa and that pool. Oh, I know. I love that. Oh God, such a great guy. Mm. so fucking funny so funny i'm gonna show you something real quick hold on okay this picture is so fucking funny to me so when i was growing up my grandfather had this picture hanging up in his den and i always thought it was so funny because the story behind it is that 
my, my grandfather was not the tallest man and nobody in his family really was very tall. So You're very tall though. Right. I think I get it from my dad's side, but um, in this picture, it's my grandfather here and that's his mother and that's his brother. So the oh, picture, tall, yeah. yeah, they take the picture and they get it developed. And my uncle, this is my great uncle, Robert, he looked at it and he goes, what the f- fuck? How are you taller than me? They go to take the picture. My grandfather put up on his tippy toes. He got up on his tippy toes so he could be taller in the picture. I love that. And I, he would love to tell the story. So when he passed away in his house, this picture was in his house and his other brother, Donald, got a copy of it for me because I used to fucking laugh so hard. That is but so cute. my grandfather, you see that little gap in his teeth? Aww. He, I'm going to cry. Don't cry. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I didn't know any other grandparents. I uh. met my dad's parents like maybe once or twice because they lived in California. And then my grandmother, my, my mother's mother passed away before I was born. So he was the only grandparent uh. that I knew. And he was just... The funniest, like kindest Aww. man I've ever known. He was just so lovely. And I feel so lucky to have grown up so close to him. And like when my grandmother passed away, my, You're he, making me cry now. I know, but my mom has two sisters and he said to the three girls, somebody please come, come back. We were living in Louisiana and New Orleans. And so my mom said to my dad, like, we got to go and packed up my sister and I moved back here. Oh, my brother was did. born here, that. but they, they bought a house like- a block away from my grandfather and like being at his house was the greatest joy. He just would allow us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause grandparents you know, are everything. Yeah. And life at home wasn't always easy. And so it was just a place to be children, you know, yeah. and he would g- and give us Coke and like candy. He's obsessed with <laughs> chocolate and sweets, but like always had candy and was just, just the nicest, funniest, Aww. so fucking funny. That dry, like, Welsh sense of oh, humor. Love oh, it. my God. So fucking funny. Oh. Just, I loved him so much. I love that. Anyway, I love this picture, and I love when he's like. <laughs> <laughs> what I a love goof. that the brother's like, wait a minute. Yeah, such a goof. It's not right. Now it's now in history. Anybody looks at this picture, I'm the short one. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Such a lovely man. Aw. Well, thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, Mm. We'll see you after Hillary's vacation. I'll come back with I all can't my wait Elvis to hear stories. About it. <laughs> all right, good. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please go to our website, www.themuckpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on our Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support with exclusive content, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.